0: Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties, listen to the questions you have.
1: We find pros in the know to help you learn.
2: And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome Welcome to to VO VO Booth Booth Besties.
1: Welcome everyone to VO Booth Besties. We're here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week, we have a new topic and a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. To stay updated on all things VOBB, you can swing by our website, boothbesties.com, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. And join us um, on the VO Booth Besties Facebook group as well. Now, without further ado, let's meet our guest. Over to you, JT.
2: Thank you. Christian joined the Walt Disney Company in 2005 and had the pleasure of wearing many hats within the company. Her work was featured in numerous animated television properties that were seen on Disney Channel, Disney XD, Disney Junior, and some Marvel, Lucas, and Pixar projects, along with Disney Plus TV animated properties. Kristen gained experience in both live action and animated worlds. Some of her credits include Hamster and Gretel, Phineas and Ferb the Movie, Candace Against the Universe, Mickey Mouse Funhouse, Mickey Saves Christmas, Mickey's Tale of Two Witches, Big Hero 6, the series, Amphibia, Mickey and Minnie Wish Upon a Christmas, Muppet Babies, Mickey and the Road Racers, Mickey Mouse Mixed Up Adventures, Milo Murphy's Law, Lion Guard, Minnie's Bow Tunes, which my daughter loved when she was little, and many more. Kristen has embarked on a new venture by founding her own company, Piva Productions. In this exciting endeavor, she channels her expertise into the realms of casting, dialogue directing, and voiceover coaching. Assisting talent in their growth has always been a genuine passion for Kristen. Piva Productions is dedicated to perpetuating Kristen's fervent commitment and steadfast support for emerging talent. Over to you, NJ.
3: Hi, Kristen. I am not sure that I deserve that intro. My goodness. Well,
1: you've done a thing or two. You've been around for a minute. You deserve every second of it. (laughs) I'm here. Yeah. Welcome to VO Booth Besties. (laughs) We're glad you're here. As a formality, we like to touch on... How on earth did you become a casting director <laughs> with Disney? Just like synopsis backstory. Yeah,
3: you know, the it's an interesting thing working for the, the Walt Disney Company and a, and a pretty incredible thing. You know, I started my journey with Disney um, a little over 18 years ago. And I started out at the Paradise Pier Hotel front desk. So it is it is genuinely true that you know you hear these stories of folks starting as jungle cruise skippers and becoming the CFO of the company obviously that wasn't my path um but um, but it can actually happen that's like a real story um and you when know, i started off at the front desk and it's always been my passion and just sort of my goals and my beliefs in in working environments that i want to learn everything and do everything I think because of that drive, I was able to move up pretty quickly, and I got into a department that manages essentially talent relations for parks and resorts, Uh, you know, working with celebrities, foreign dignitaries, and corporate VIPs. That naturally segued me into a team that both oversees talent relations and casting. So I moved into a team, uh, which is now the Disney branded television team. It was not back in the day. We called ourselves Disney Channel, uh, pretty simply. But I was a part of this uh, wonderful team there that managed both casting and talent relations. And that's truly how I just sort of fell into it. I had the experience in talent relations with Disney and and so forth, because most companies often have those two teams tied it sort of naturally fed me there. Um, I was on that team for a few years, and then I was so, so lucky to be able to move over to the Disney TV animation and Disney Junior team where I had been for the last, like, seven and a half years and just absolutely adored my time. So in a nutshell, that's how it happened. Uh, truly, your dreams can come true at Disney. <laughs> it's not just a joke. Um, not it, just a clever like, oh, tagline. Oh. Yeah. I, um,
1: our family actually took our first Disney film uh, cruise this summer and oh, you think? um it was fine but the funny part was really? I went to every show I went to like all things, and I ended up getting asked to come back for their trivia nights because it would just be such a mix but I anyway the the person who was directing it I we just ended up I, I'm a total smart ass but anyway so we would just have banter the whole time and i would always you know and she was like can you come back again tomorrow And by the end i was like she was like have you ever thought about working
3: <laughs> in entertainment uh, was- this checks out jen i'm not yeah. like there's nothing you've just told me that surprised me yeah. at all um, <laughs> that's amazing it was so neat but
1: i asked her at very similar you know just to you because she said the same thing now she was um not married and didn't have kids, but she was like, oh yeah, but I just the company and just the culture. And yeah, she just gushed just like you. And it it was really cool. But anyway, so let's get down to why you're here today. So we want to touch a little bit about, um, we've gotten the backstory. We want to talk a little bit about expectations. Um, I think people get really excited about the idea of I want to go, you know, and set a goal of I want to be a character in in something Disney. I want to work with Disney. And it's just not that easy <laughs> to just say I want to go do this thing. Um can you kind of talk to us a little bit about Disney casting? Like you you've been on the front end, you know, is I'm and I'm saying things like is it union jobs? Do we need to be in LA? Are we seeing more of, you know, or do you have to have an agent to see these auditions? Like kind of that sort of process. Can you talk us through that?
3: No, I signed it an NDA. No,
1: I'm-, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Thanks yep. everyone for coming <laughs> today. We're
3: uh- so <laughs> no, full of them. No. Uh, yes. So it, it is hard, right? It is hard to get into animation. But I would also just say, you know, I always say this. It is not easy to get into any of this. You know, you have to work incredibly hard to to do any of the things in, in life that you're looking to do and you're really passionate about. So I always just at least like to start by saying, please don't allow that to stop you from pursuing it if it's something you're really passionate about. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's going to be difficult to get into. But once it happens, it's going to be absolutely fulfilling and one of the best things that you've done. Uh, speaking from personal experience on this side of the of the of the aisle. Um, now, when it comes to Disney TV animation casting, yes, you do. We do hire union. Um, well, sorry, I'm going to say we because this literally just happened, and I, it is now a they. But it was a we for a very long time. So forgive me if I say we. I am not with Disney any longer. Uh, to anyone listening. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. I just want to watching. Yep. No. <laughs> Girl, she better not say she's with us. No. um. So uh, basically you do need to be union. Uh, it, you would also need to have a national rep. Actually just recently learned that term a couple of years ago. Um, you do need to be nationally wrapped and largely just because when you think about it, we at Disney, they send out their auditions to the agents specifically, and it would be impossible to send it out to every single regional rep and and frankly, we get somewhere between on the low end 200 auditions to upwards of over a little over a thousand auditions per character. and we listen to every single one of those. but knowing that, it, it would be impossible and we'd get probably double that and it just would not be feasible. So yes, sag. Is 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 a requirement in order to work at at these larger networks, um, and but I also would say don't stop that too from because I know there's some sort of like catch twenty two right in order to get into SAG and I'm not sure exactly what that is because I'm not on the talent side but it's like you got to have X in order to be this but you can't get X without getting this and it you can't get that without the so I I know that that's hard but keep pushing forward that won't stop you there are a lot of us out there that are what we consider creative casting directors. And that's what I am. And that's what my former team at Disney TV animation is some of the best people in the business. Mind mind you. Um, I know I'm biased, but that's real life. They just are some of the best people in the business and their job. Our job is to find the best possible person for each individual role. So, Don't be discouraged. Push forward. It still can happen, but those are going to be some of the things that you'll really need to look for and push forward towards in order to be seen by some of these larger networks. You know, I always, it is always hard because folks will reach out to me on LinkedIn or somewhere else and they'll say, reach out if you need something, Kristen. And unfortunately that's not a realistic request or expectation. I would love to reach out to all of you every time I need something can't happen. It's impossible. We do have to lean on the agents to submit um, and send us things, or we'd literally be, you know, reviewing hundreds of thousands of auditions, I would imagine.
1: Well, I appreciate your... I'm
3: going to be honest.
1: Yeah, I appreciate your... Oh, just say, okay, AB, what do you got? So I wanted to jump on that because we've heard the same
0: thing from other casting directors as well, that people are... There are people out there that are teaching talent to connect with casting directors on LinkedIn and then send them messages. And that is not cool. Unless it's a, hey, I met you. I thought you're really cool. I want to hear more about your kids. Like, let's talk about, you know, like you have a personal connection and you want to establish a relationship with someone that's different, but they're they're just fishing for jobs by adding you. How does that make you feel? And what are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, that is definitely happening. That's great. That is crazy to me. That's there is some, folks out there suggesting that because I cannot imagine that that is ever going to actually work. And I say that with as much respect as I can. It's not going to to work out, there's no way, like I just said, we cannot go. Oh, you know, I remember Kristen Paiva from that chat on LinkedIn and she said she wanted a job. There's no way that that is like something that is sustainable. So, the best thing to do, yes, if you want to connect, connect with folks and talk to them, but be, you know, be cool, be an, a be genuine human and be genuine. Yeah. I always talk about that too when it comes to like callbacks, right? This is also some folks don't realize that that's also sort of a like a, a an interview, like a job interview. We want to see if you're like a cool human and, you know, it's going to be fun to work with you over a series and so on. But it's kind of the same idea in life. Um, that is not going to be the best way to connect with a casting director to make sure that they are considering with you for jobs. It's a great place to connect with them. But I genuinely feel, A of all, it's going to be getting those agents that are going to represent you and really fight for you. It's going to be, I always hate recommending things that cost money. I really and truly do. But I also so believe at the same time in workshops and coachings um, and the different conferences that are going to expose you to people and get you in front of them. I think that they are so valuable and huge. So getting yourself in front of those folks and showing them what you can do is going to be the best possible thing for you.
0: We also had a question from our audience, so I'm just going to go ahead and ask that now because it's directly relating to what you said a few minutes ago. We have
3: an audience. I was certain it would just be my mom tuning in. That's
0: so <laughs> no, we our audience loves you. I know it. Um, This is Fleece, and she asked if you um, could just clarify the difference between a national and a regional rep, and how you know if your own rep is national or regional. Oh my
3: god. Uh, you know, no one's asked me that. And uh, to be totally honest with you, I just learned that that is a thing. You know what I'm sorry? Because being on this side of it, sometimes folks can get various like tunnel vision, right? And it's like, well, this is my side of the thing. And so I'm doing the thing. Uh, Like I said earlier, I always try to make it my job to learn everyone else's job. So in recent years, I've been going out and meeting with you all and doing conferences because it helps me. I want to learn from you. I want to know about your jobs. I want to know what everyone's doing in this business. And I learned that from an agent that apparently is at a national agency. So I am so sorry to say, I don't know how to answer that exactly. Maybe one of you guys know a little bit better. Uh, Yeah. I, yeah.
0: Well, I just know from my own experience um a national rep is typically booking national commercial spots. So they also have some regional spots as well, but they're they're going to have access to national spots and there's like the top 5 that people think of um and I'm not going to name them because I'm going to leave somebody out and then I'll feel bad. But and then regional reps are like, oh, I have an agent in Chicago and they're covering the the middle of the country. Or I have an agent in Atlanta and they're covering the southeast, um, an agent in the Pacific Northwest like that. That's kind of when they say regional, it's like, well, they're really only getting spots. But um, Tina Marasco told us recently that she's sending more and more of her national stuff to regional reps as well to get a broader uh spectrum on the auditions that she receives. So that's just a
2: just a little quick recap. JT. Yeah, I was just going to say some of my national spots have come from my regional agents. So it's not that you can't get national work from your regional, but the regional agents are going to have a link to their community and to their region. Hallmark works specifically through a regional agency, The End, for all of their stuff. So you just kind of need to do your research too and find out which agencies regionally deal with which products and, you know, go for the ones that you really want. Yeah. All
3: right. You know, I'm not sure that I can't necessarily speak for every single larger network in animation, but I do believe that most of the networks are doing a very similar thing to what we did at Disney TV animation. And it would largely be sending auditions out through those national reps. The one thing that I can say that could be helpful uh, is this resource that I found a million years ago. Some talent told me about it and it's lovely. I'm not affiliated, but it's such a great website. It's called, uh, I believe it's called voiceoverresourceguide.com. Is that the one? Yeah, and you can go on there and take a look. It'll You'll you'll be able to click on like LA and LA agents and such. And you'll see um, the folks listed there for, for agencies. And I can speak to many of them, not all of them, but large majority of those agencies I've worked with and would be considered a national rep. Excellent.
1: Okay, well, let's circle back, um, and let's get back to talking about casting. So this is not necessarily um, Disney-related at all, but let's just talk about the casting process. Are all animation castings created equal? Is is the expectation, is it, you know, do, do you expect something different when you send it to a celebrity who may not be a, actually be a voice actor, or the certain pros in your kind of circle that you know how does that work are they all the same
3: no I wouldn't say that every casting process is the same I I think the the functionality behind the casting process is the same but of course the outcome is going to be different every time and that's intentional Uh, it is our job it is my job to ensure that we are creating unique worlds for each and every project that we create So what that means is that we do not have lists of folks that we just go back to because we know they can nail it. We will not do that. We will have confidence in those folks if they come through in auditions, but that doesn't mean that we are going to solely pitch them forward. So the casting process is fairly simple in that we meet with the creators. They pitch out the show to us. They will tell us what they're looking for in each character. We then take those out, um, work with their writers or them if, they, them, if they're the writers, to create the sides that are sent out for auditions. Typically in pilot stage, we'll go pretty wide, gather as many as auditions as can. Uh, we'll gather somewhere, you know, on the low end, maybe 10 uh, talent per character, probably max 25 per character. And we'll pitch those up to the executive producers. They'll in turn send us back their selects. And from there in the pilot stage, we'll typically go to callbacks. Hopefully from those callbacks, we'll have someone that nails it and is able to step into that role. That does change a lot when you get into the series. Um, I have always cast throughout an entire series. That is what Disney TV animation does. They don't just cast pilot stage. They cast the entire breadth of the series. So that includes every single role that comes up on that series. So there's a lot of different processes and ways that that will happen and how we'll cast those roles moving forward. Yes, is there a different expectation if we, you know, if we do send something out to a specific person by, by request? Again, that would not be like our hope, right? Um, there are incredible c- celebrity talent out there. I am not <laughs> bagging on celebrity talent. They're wonderful. Do I believe that they're always the best creative choice? no. But it is also not my vision, is it? I am, as a casting director, I'm facilitating someone else's vision for a series. So it is my job to, if they're saying they're really passionate about X person, to go out and see if that is an option or to see if they'll audition for us. Um, And no, no, not, uh, you know, I always say that you all as voice actors, and I may no offense by this, but I genuinely believe it. I've worked in live action and I've worked in voiceover. You all in voiceover are some of the most talented actors in the business. You are the best. You're like the veter- veterinarians of the medical field. You know what I mean? Like you can do everything. And what I mean by that is you can be really successful in live action because you've got this cool tick or this thing you've got going that everyone's just like, well, that's cool. Put Put them on live action. But you bring those people behind the booth and you say, here's a set of sides. Let's do this thing. And let me tell you, Mm -hmm. it's not always a, it is not always a home run. (laughs) So uh, very often it is not a home run. So it's a learned skill and it's, you're some of the best. I can't see you smile. I can't see you cry. I have to hear it all through your voice. And that, in my opinion, is some of the best acting in the business. So anyway, hats off to you all for that. But yeah, so the expectation definitely would change, Jen, if I'm looking at different folks or different auditions that I'm getting back for sure.
1: You know, it's funny. Um. I have a friend who works for an animation studio, and she did share one story about a celebrity that they needed ABC takes on something. And it is one happening. <laughs> like yeah. they would go, Could you do it again? And they're like, I just did. And then they'd think, and again, it's kind of like when we think in our mind, our two takes, yeah, yeah, I did that differently. But if you laid the tracks on each other, you're like, same. And yeah. Yeah. So having that depth of, you said it so beautifully, like audibly is all you get. It, It changes the emotion. It changes the intention when you can see someone's face and their body moving. You don't get that. So if you're unable to convey the message, the emotion, you know, through your voice only. And I just thought that was really interesting because yeah, we're all at the end of the day, we are all actors, but you nailed it when you're like, but there is, there's some different training that happens with voiceover. So there is,
3: yeah, you're so right. Those, those three takes, I, you know, I do coaching on my own. And that is something that I really focus on because that's going to be huge. When you come in, it is the expectation. I always talk about this. When you come in for a callback, it will be the expectation that you read through your sides then they say, great, here's some directs. Go ahead and do that three times in a row. I mean, I always talk about this because it's huge. You have to be prepared for that. And the expectation is that you have different inflection points each time. And that is whole, it's not easy, you know, it is a learned skill. So learning to do that now is, is huge and important for anyone starting, but yeah, it's really important when you get in the booth with us. Cause we might go, oh gosh, well, they, you know, they, they have all, they can't make adjustments or they can't make changes or they're not like yeah. here.
1: Yeah. Um, so real quick, I'm going to turn it over to AB, but so you mentioned live casting cast. What did you say? What, what is, what was the comment you
3: made? I don't know that I did it.
1: But, but, no, no, but I lie. guess yeah what so can you explain what that is why is that different from animation
3: Well you're looking for very different things I think I had worked with Disney TV no sorry nope wrong place Disney Channel and at Disney Channel we we really are star makers right we're looking for someone that can has the talent and can be elevated to a certain level at Disney TV animation, I need y'all that that are exceptional at this and can nail these roles. So in that, it's very, it's very different. The process itself is also very different. I, I don't know if I'd talk too much about the process being different, but it is very live action casting is very different from, from voiceover. I would say voiceover is a lot more hands-on.
1: Okay, and my last question is are you seeing any, and this may be hard to answer, but kind of a a, an animation voice trend meaning are we leaning possibly it could just be you know based on the actual product I understand that but are we leaning more to a little more natural voice or is there still a place for the -the over-the-top character accent kind of hitch over
3: the head kind of thing yes I think that for the most part I would wager that you all that are getting, everyone getting animation auditions will (laughs) account account for the fact that it says natural, natural, natural sound. Everyone is leaning that way. And it has been actually for quite some time now. I would say at least the last five or six years, everyone has sort of been leaning in towards that naturalistic sound. I think what that means for me, however, is not that there isn't a place for those character-y characters. There is, there's going to be, there's going to be specific shows that call for that. But I always say, I, I think some folks get a little bit tied up in that. And then they kind of deliver these reads that are very flat and uninspiring. And I don't mean that by dis, by disrespect. I think what folks are doing is that they're following what they think we're asking for. And I know everyone, as actors, everyone gets so tied up in this. I feel like it is possible that you are all overthinkers. And I, I get it. <laughs> I, I fully get it. But everyone tries to get into the mind of this person, this casting director, or this executive producer, and you're never going to know. But in my opinion, what we are asking for and what we're saying, we want a naturalistic sound. What's kind of cool about the trend in the industry is that right now you can come in I see some folks on here that have done coaching with me and they're going to be like, Lord, I've heard Kristen say this a hundred times. But what's lovely about the industry right now is that... You can come in at present and be exceptional at one thing. I could come in and be really good at Kristen Paiva, and that would be good enough. You can land roles. And you can also come in like you used to need to have, as this, be this huge utility player where you can be everything in the scene. You can be every single person in the scene, right? Right. There will always be a place for those folks as well. But what's nice is that the industry kind of has opened up and you don't have to be all the things, right? So A of all. And then B of all, when it comes to naturalistic sound, I think that just means that right now, the trend is not that, beep, 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 you know, that super character thing across the board, but it is still anima- I'm sorry if I just blew out anyone's ears. <laughs> um, but it is still animation. And I talk about this a lot it still needs to be over-animated. It's going to be boring if we deliver our lines in just such a straight, boring way because we think we need to be natural. You know, and it was funny, I just uh, was helping someone with an audition prep and the sides literally said, a natural read. And then I had a pal in that casting department and I reached out. I was like, yo, what's the specs on this character? And they were like, we want a big character-y character. character i am like, why did you list natural in the new spec? So, you know, sometimes I think you need to just follow your instinct, look at the character, do your research, what shows is going to be for, where will it air? Can it support a character character and and so on and and go from there. But always your reads, I think should be a little bit Overamped because it's animation. This is where we live. We play as a dog and a frog and a cat and a, you know, whatever else. So it's it's got to be a little bit overamped. And so that brings us to the next question,
0: which is how important are specs? Right, like if the spec says conversational, no, this is not uh, natural, which I guess is what you're hearing more in in, uh, animation, but you're feeling like oh, I just want to do, is it, can you give two takes if you feel like you have this other thing that you want to give? Um, is that acceptable?
3: Sure. I do believe that the. Spe- okay, so so no other casting directors email me and yell at me. The specs are so important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, And they, they genuinely are. The specs are important because it is what the creators think that they want for that role. But you know what I think is wonderful is that when folks come in and they have a slightly I- different idea for a character and they send that through, man, that sticks out. And if it's a good one, I'm always going to throw those curveballs in, right? And you you know how many times those folks actually land the gig? Quite a, quite a few times. So I think the specs are so important. Try to honor them. Try to find a character that fits within that, within that description. But if it's not jiving for you and you're not enjoying it, Chances are I won't either on the other side. So I always say swing big. In the words of the great Sam Regal, you already don't have the job. So swing big, send it in and do the thing. To answer your question about two takes, a lot of people feel differently. Do not take my answer to be the end all be all. For me personally, for Disney TV animation, I do know that we, I am good with two takes. However, very important your takes should be entirely different from each other, two entirely different characters. And I would really hope that the reason that you're sending in two takes is because you loved both of them and you just couldn't decide. Don't do two takes because you feel like I need to hear it or that the casting director on the other side needs to hear that. Do two takes because you loved the characters that you created and you really wanted to send them both in or, maybe the case was you had a big swing and you really wanted to give that a shot, but then you wanted to sort of fall fit in the specs and make sure you sent one of those into cool. Do that. But uh, never send anything in that in my opinion that you're not loving yourself.
0: Perfect. So how do you feel about improvisa- improvisation? I speak for a living in auditions. Do you
3: like it when people improv
0: or would you rather they stick to the script?
3: Yeah. So I always have a, a piece of advice and like a question that you need to ask yourselves before I talk about improv. And no, no one needs to answer it here. Don't comment on this, don't put it out anywhere in the world. But here's the question: Are you funny? <laughs> if the answer is yes, so cool, put those suckers in there. If the answer is no, that is also a thousand percent okay. There is funny stuff in these sides. All you need to do is learn to. Pump those up and hit those beats. Do your best to deliver the comedy that's already there. When it comes to improv, if your answer was yes, absolutely. Add those in. I like to hear them. Disney TV Animation likes to hear them in your original audition. Uh, you know, We'll let you know if when you come in or if you come in with me, you come in with them. And then the creators are there and they're pretty particular. We'll tell you, hey, like leave that out or, or whatnot. We'll let you know at that point. But I'm always open to hearing it in, the, in your first pass. And Disney TV Animation would be as well. But there is absolutely some things that you have to consider when we talk about improv. And that is that improv should only ever be, I call them little buttons or little zingers. I should probably coin that. Um, but so you come in and out, right? I say, get in there and get out with that funny thing. Don't drag it out. Uh, it needs to always serve the scene, not be long and draggy and never, ever, ever on every single line, please. That just, at that point, I it, personally, it feels like overworking, overreaching. And, uh, and it also makes me go, okay, could, did they not see the funny in the sides? that's already there. And they couldn't work with that. So that that would be my uh, comments on, on improper comments. Love it. That's some really, really great feedback. Um, I just had a, a
0: question from the audience that I, I feel like we can answer this in a different way. And it's, can you tell us what is the difference between a casting director and a talent agent? And should you ever pay a casting director?
3: So the difference between the two, an agent is going to be someone that essentially goes in, accepts you as a client on their roster, and they are the ones that pitch you out or send your your um, work to a casting director to consider for a role. So the agents, I suppose the biggest difference is that the agents are not determining what jobs that you get. They are submitting you for consideration for said jobs. A casting director on the other side, we are the folks that gather all of your auditions, listen to them, take them to the executive producers and work with them to find the best possible person for each role. So we are filling out the different worlds. Each are so incredibly important to the process, but very, very different. I don't know what you necessarily mean by should we pay a casting director. You should. Never pay a casting director if they're like, pay me and you'll get a job. My Lord, run for the hills. That would be highly unethical and really terrible. If I it is, the, is if the, it the, is maybe like a workshop setting or something, if that is the case, then absolutely. Because it is going to open you up to that particular person and the company that they work for like i said earlier every single company is going network is going to be looking at different things or wanting different things the onus really is majorly on you all to go out there and educate yourselves about each individual. It's sort of mind-boggling to me and hurts my brain a little bit to think about what it takes for you all to make this happen, because you really do have to go out. You have to meet with Nickelodeon, Disney, with DreamWorks, with all of these folks to understand what they are looking for, because it could be entirely different or what they're considering as well, right? It could be entirely different than the other or the last person's answer. So the value in getting in front of casting directors is huge, but I would also say there's a major value in getting in front of agents, and dialogue directors, and, you know, folks in the business that have been doing this for a while or are actively doing it now so that you can learn from them and understand sort of what what they've done to be successful or whatnot. But again, there's, there's value in getting in front of people. Um, any casting director worth their salt hopefully is remembering folks. You know, we're not, hopefully people are not out here just taking people's money, but also actively learning from that experience and also taking things away from all the workshops and the things that they do. Uh, I pride myself on doing that personally. And I know that my team uh, at Disney does that as well. I think So just ring- be careful.
0: Yes. I-, say, I think where that question came from is sometimes people misunderstand and believe that casting directors get paid when you book the job. Whereas you're paid by the company to book, to cast the job. You don't get a cut or a percentage. You're not getting 10% or 20% when no, like an isn't agent is that a shame? No, I'm kidding. Yeah,
3: right? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Very true.
0: Another um, audience question is, do you work with, um, and we can answer this two ways, does Disney work with, and will Kristen Paiva in the future work with, um, agents who are outside of the United States, or do you only do U.S.-based agencies?
3: Great question. The answer is yes to both. Uh, I actively worked with agents outside of the U.S. while at Disney, and I am currently working with agents outside of the U.S., yes, Absolutely. We've cast all over the world forever. I think the pandemic, while a terrible time, sort of opened that up even more and allowed us to really push those conversations and advocate for talent outside of normal areas that the folks were looking at in the past. But yes, short answer is yes. Perfect. I
0: have a couple more questions for you, but I'm going to do a quick plug for Studio Bricks because they are our um, season sponsor, and we love Studio Bricks. I'm in my Studio Bricks booth right now, and it makes it so that I can record when my kids are playing outside or the neighbor's mowing his lawn, and it keeps my audio pristine. And it also gives me peace of mind because I don't have to worry if I'm going to have a session scheduled, is my neighbor going to be mowing his lawn during my session? You know, and and you just don't know. You it takes that that element of the unknown out of it and gives you some peace of mind. So we highly recommend Studio Bricks, check them out, but I want to move into the next question. There are ways that talent stand out both for good and for bad, right? So can you give us some examples of some things that talent did that maybe were, that were, it was a mistake, something they didn't. And then maybe an example of things that people have done that really stood out to you that helped you remember them.
3: Sure. On the, Somewhat negative side, right? And I see Jim Frank on here. He's gonna start charging me for using this. I just know it. But he gave me a really great like term for this. And I, I always say, when you are over doing it that is that is going to be one of those things like okay this is a little overdone and I suppose I understand that in the radio business it's called puking which also just makes me laugh so I like to say that out loud um so you know I guess it's that like hi I'm Kristen Piva and I'm gonna be this character so it's just like over it's pushing too much it's going too hard that's gonna be something that will sort of be kind of an instant pass, right? You don't need to overdo this. I I mean, it it is still, you know, while I say it's over animated, it's not, it's not that much. Uh, So pulling it back just a tad would be good. We've already talked about it kind of using uh, improv too much and too long. I had one person and I I talk about this too often, but one person that came in and have one of the funniest bits of improv that I'd ever heard. And then they kept going and going. And I was like, well, (laughs) you're not even funny. I'm moving on now. So that is one thing that can do it. And I would also say not following the specs like at all. If I am asking for a, you know, child, an authentic sound, 10 to 11, and you sound like a 30-year-old, I don't know, me or something. Well, I'm not 30. That was cute, Kristen. (laughs) But you know, if you don't fit the specs at all, I like how I just decided to take a chunk out of my age. Uh, so if you don't follow the specs at all, that's absolutely going to be something that's going to uh, knock you out right away. And I will say you've probably heard this a thousand times from casting directors as well. We know within the first few seconds of your audition, whether or not we're going to continue listening or move on. Don't let that discourage you. It simply is because some folks will write, come in and they'll be a 30-year-old trying to play a 10-year-old, you know? So it's an instant move on. If you're not in the right vein, age, vibe, feel of the show, we're going to move on very quickly. When it comes to doing the right things, that's such a hard question to answer. And I know that's the question that everyone wants answered. And I also fully understand why, but it is very difficult to say, here's what you should do. But I do always say serve yourself first. I've talked about this already, uh, you know, in our time here. Serve yourself first. If you're loving the character that you're delivering, if you're laughing too, if you are having fun, I guarantee that we will feel that and and know it on the other side. So get into your characters. I always suggest, please build out every scene in your mind, make it real, because that's gonna inform your acting choices and we will feel it over here. Um, of course, some fun improvs and stuff. That is absolutely lovely. We love to hear those. That's a lot of fun. Or just nailing the timing on things is always going to be lovely. But it's a tough question to answer because genuinely speaking, again, as a creative casting director, we do not know who that person is until we literally hear your audition and we go, that's the person. That's that character. So it is such a tough question to answer. I'm sorry, I don't have a very specific answer, uh, but those would be some of the things I would suggest.
2: All right. I'm going to jump in and we're going to take a little pivot. That's a huge buzzword we're all hearing in the industry with the economy and the the state of things and AIs. A lot of people making a, a pivot. They're debating, they're contemplating. Um, how did you get to a place where you knew it was time for you to pivot?
3: That is a really great question. And it's is something that I've been considering and thinking about for such a long time. I wanted to pave my own path, but, you know, life has its own timing. Um, with the arrival of my two beautiful, incredible children in recent years, um, I felt it was kind of a colossal thing to tackle. But, however, this moment, this move, is starting my own venture, it just honestly has filled me with such unparalleled joy and energy and i've had this massive surge of inspiration that i just haven't felt for a long time and that has nothing to do with disney i've lo- i adored my time there and everyone that i worked with but i think the prospect of sharing shaping the future and exploring endless possibilities and guiding a talent, talent in ways that i've longed to do is so invigorating so the future excites me beyond measure. Uh, I feel like it's brimming with promise. It's offering me a chance to support ta- uh, budding talent in ways that felt a little bit out of reach before, not because it wouldn't have been supportive, but it just wasn't my job, right? That wasn't the function of my job. But I couldn't be more thrilled about this new chapter and the opportunities that it holds. But it really just, i all I could say was just, it's time. I'm ready to do this. I've been thinking about it for so long. My son's nine months old now. And you know, I thought about it last year and it just felt, like I said, a little bit too much. And I was just, I was just ready. I don't know what, what else, how else to, to articulate that. I just knew that I was ready. I guess that's that instinct thing that I keep telling you all to, to follow. I was just ready to make the move.
2: Right. And I mean, we all know that you're very engaged with the voiceover community, not just as a casting director, but i I did a workshop with you in Dallas in 22, and in that workshop, I could sense that you really enjoyed being on that end of things. And um, I think it's awesome that you're just taking that and and running with it. So, tell us what type of casting you're going to be doing.
3: So, there's not much that I can talk about just yet, okay. uh, not officially. But it is my hope that I will not only be casting in animation, but that I can broaden that to be casting across the VO genre. So I'd love to, I'm looking at games, commercial, uh, really, I, I want to be in to everything. And I think that's part of that thing I had talked about earlier, where I always want to learn everyone else's job. I'd love to be in, in all of it. There is a learning curve. And I really strongly believe in educating yourself and making sure that you're ready for those things. So I won't step into those areas until I know that I am ready, but it is my hope to get into all areas of of voiceover casting, possibly live action going back that way as well, too. If the opportunity arises, I of course have a love for, for live action. My deep seated passions and love fall in the voiceover community and world, but I would be so pleased and, and would love to look at live action stuff too. So I'm kind of looking at everything. What a nut job. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, that's cool. I mean, we all kind of look at everything, too. We ha- we may have a niche thing, but we like to jump in and dip our toes in the, the waters in other places. We like you a little bit more now. You're one of us. <laughs> no, Yay! One of everything. <laughs> Thank you for welcoming you me. Like- <laughs> With open arms. Um, so what is going to be the
3: primary focus of your coaching? So at present, my primary focus is animation coaching. But again, it is my hope that I can broaden that out as well. So my expertise lies in animation right now. It I feel huge about offering value and making sure that folks are getting, you know, there's there's a lot of, you guys know this, everyone I think knows this, there's not, not, not everyone out there is doing the right things by talent. And that is never going to be something that I will be in, involved in. So if I can offer value, then I will continue to do this. If I can start to offer value in other areas of voiceover when it comes to coaching, then I will look at doing that. But until that time, that's not something that I'm going to do. So at present, I'll really focus in on animation casting. That's where my expertise lies at this time. And I know that what I will give to folks will be worth it and uh, and that they won't walk away going like, Lord almighty, she just took my money. That's not something that I'm out there trying to do.
2: And that's part of why we're doing what we're doing with these these podcast episodes is just educating and not saying, okay, okay, how much is this gonna cost us? Right, um exactly. What do you think is gonna be the biggest takeaway that you want talent to get when
3: they coach with you? That's a great question. I think what I really focus in on with anyone that I work with, well, A of all. <laughs> is offering candid feedback. I just want to say that. Uh, direct feedback is the cornerstone of my approach. I deeply value that kind of honesty in my own life. And it's a principle that I uphold in, in my coaching practice. I believe that anything less than honest feedback does a disservice to anyone involved. So it's about integrity. Sugar coating does not serve anyone. So when you come to coach with me, I will give you my honest feedback. And you do have to be prepared to hear that animation may not be it for you right now. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that it won't ever, but that it may not be right now. So honesty, integrity, open and direct feedback for a certain one. For two, I love to help folks find, and I refer to this, again, my coaching students on here are going to laugh, but I love to refer to this as like your highway. How many lanes do you have on your highway? Highway, freeway, whatever. It is okay. And what I mean by how many characters, what do you have in there? Who are your character types that you can voice and you can voice best? It is okay. If you have a one-lane highway, it genuinely is. Don't think that you have to have a 20-lane highway because that's crazy. You don't have to anymore. Really focus in on your strengths and I like to find my help my coaching students find how many highways they have, how many lanes they have and what characters they that best serve them. I feel the same way in business as I do about voiceover. To heck with focusing in on your weaknesses. To heck with that. Get rid of that mantra. Why do we do that? There's going to be someone else incredible that can do the things that I'm really terrible at. So I'm not going to try to focus in on my weaknesses. I'm going to focus in on my strengths. And that's what I want you, my coaching students, to do. Focus in on the things that you're really great at and be exceptional at those things. If there's things within your weakness pile that you want to learn and want to do, cool. Let's work on it. Let's do it. But I wouldn't want that to be the focus when you have really great strengths and things that you can do that you're going to be great at. Uh, It's focusing in on those things. And then also just getting folks prepped for what it is going to look like. And I like to put positivity out into the world. When you all get those callbacks with these big networks, what's it going to look like? How's it going to feel? So I really try to focus in on that and make sure that everyone is is learning those. And, And another part of the coaching side of it is that I want to make sure that And I hope I've been doing this, but I want to make sure that no one gets so set on getting my feedback because my feedback is not going to be the end all be all, right? You need to start listening to yourself. I always encourage listen, record, listen back. I have folks send in auditions as if they were actually auditioning for things because you have to learn to do this on your own, right? You're going to be doing it all the time on your own. So learning to do that on your own is is huge. So that's some of the things that I, I try to focus on.
1: That's, that's fantastic. And we appreciate that from you because it really adds for me, it adds to your credibility. And like you said, add value so often, um, not just myself, but others have said, yeah, I worked with this coach and, and there was no actionable feedback, which is a big thing for me. That's something I'm always, don't say that was nice. Try it slower. Like that, that's not actionable. Anyway. So I really appreciate how, yeah, you really, um, yeah. Just are more specific and detailed. So just a few more questions. Oh my gosh, we're flying through this interview. Um, let's talk about demos. Um, that's always Ooh. just <laughs> exactly. it's always a hot topic. And I'll be honest, I have been not casting directors, but agents. Let me make sure I'm saying that clearly. I have been doing some workshops. I've been doing some Q&A uh, forums with agents and is not, Not as big as we think it is, at least from several people that um, we've been working with. And so, you know, what, from your angle, is it the audition? The audition gets me the job? Or, are you know, am I, well, I mean, as a casting director, I can answer that myself, but also being a coach, you know, what you're doing. Um, Is the demo a culmination of showing my practice, you know, that I've been coaching, that I've been practicing my multiple lanes, as you call it. You know, but at the end of the day, that doesn't necessarily get me the cat, the job that you, you know, sent me the casting for. So I'm just curious. People are, this is just a buzz topic right now. So I'm curious. It is
3: a buzz topic. And I get this question a lot and I feel so terribly about my answer because I've had people say that it's like really just deflated their sales. As a casting director, your demo is not exceptionally valuable for me. Okay. Okay do not take that to mean that it is not valuable. However, where your demo is going to be incredibly valuable and necessary, I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone, but necessary is in landing an agent. To my knowledge, they won't even talk to you without a demo in every single area of this business you want to get into. They won't even entertain a conversation with you. So that is where your demo is going to be incredibly important and you would want it to showcase all of your strengths. Make sure that it focuses in on your strengths in that particular genre. The reason it is not exceptionally helpful to me as a casting director, and I would imagine to any other casting directors, is because yes, it can give us an idea of some of the characters that you can deliver, but I've talked about it a lot, Being a creative casting director, I am looking for this particular role. And your demo is not going to tell me that you are this particular character. So I have to hear you read and audition for that character in order to know that. Uh, So that's my, (laughs) yes, demos are
1: exactly No, you're aligning with what we've kind of been hearing a lot is the audition gets you the job. Yes, the demo gets you in front of the agent or may get their attention. So thank you for just adding another perspective to that we appreciate it uh okay what is dialogue direction
3: dialogue coaching yes so dialogue directing is so if you've been picked up on an animated series or if you've done video games and i apologize i don't know the others as well just yet but there's always a person that is behind the booth on the other side of the glass that is directing you through your session that is a dialogue director. So the person that actually directs through an entire series of of shows and guides talent throughout their, you know, performances leads you through the scenes and make sure that you're setting up each individual scene and then actors behind you uh, for the best possible takes.
1: Okay. Thank you. All right. It's good to have that distinction, that understanding. Um, Okay. I'm sorry. I was going to go one way, but I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to curve that and hold on to it for another time. So let me ask you this. What is your best advice for working pros who they want to level up? I mean, they, they, maybe they're, they're booking. um, They just like aren't getting over that hurdle. Maybe they're one of the 200 that are getting into your castings and, but they're just not seeing the progress they want to see. Do you have any just simple advice. I know we can do the rah-rah, you know, sis-boom-bah, but I don't know. Do you have any guidance for that kind of from the coaching
3: side? Yes. A few things that I would suggest is this. There are a lot of casting directors out there like myself, like the team at Disney TV Animation that also consider ourselves talent scouts. So we are constantly going out and looking for you. So that means that you need to be out there. If you are into improv, Go out there and do that stuff because we're going to be in the audience. If you are doing stand up, if you like to do stuff online, if you, um, you know, if you want to do these different things in life, be out there and be findable. That doesn't mean if you don't want to do any of those things that you're still not findable, but that if I can't find, I always say, if I can't find you, I can't find you. So do you have an online presence? If I was informed about you from someone else, can I find you? Can I do some research on you and see where you're at and what you're doing? This does not mean that you have to be you know, a major influencer online. It doesn't mean that you have to be the headliner on some show. Just be out there. Be findable, for one. For two, what I would say is your agents are your advocates, and they kind of are the gatekeepers. It may not be known that sometimes, even though you're submitting an audition to them, it doesn't always make it all the way through because they, it may not be getting past them. So make sure that your agent is your advocate. And your agent has a big job. They have an entire massive roster, and it is impossible for them to know you individually and all the things that you're great at. So make sure that you are informing your agent, hey, I'm really good at voices 10 to 12, or I am really passionate about X games, and I'd love to be considered for these things. So make sure that your agent is aware of you and what you can do. Because guess what happens on the other end? They will then come to us if they're doing their job, and they'll say, hey, Kristen, I've got Jen, she's exceptional X, Y, and Z. Or here's why you should pay attention to Jen. She's doing all these cool things in the future. So those things help us because it is funny. I know the industry calls casting directors, the buyers, such a weird, such a weird thing. So, but calls casting directors, the buyers. But ultimately we become the sellers on the other end. We go to our executive producers and say, hey, here's why you need to pay attention to these folks. And I'll still put forward, of course, people that I don't know and can't advocate for, but I just love their audition. But isn't it better to be able to say, like, hey, I know that this person's doing X, Y, and Z, or I saw them here, and they were great. So those types of things can help and can help sort of push you over the over the top. There's more, but those are some no, things that you gotta look at. No,
1: and I think that's great. And uh, I just uh, shared not long ago um, that I actually secured a pretty huge um, commercial promotional campaign, and it was for on camera, but... After they had decided they wanted to, that I was their top choice, they went and looked at my social media. You know, they were like, and we saw, you're engaging, you're funny, like we, you had great energy. And so that just solidified for them. They're like, we want to work with you. I They didn't comment. They didn't like, you know, follow me. You know, there wasn't that, but it was just kind of have, like you said, having that presence. Um, it can make a difference. Um, oh, go ahead, Ab.
0: I just want to point out too, and um, I think this is what you're getting at, Kristen, be yourself though. Like if you're not funny, like I I love to joke that I'm not funny and it's not, no one laughs because it's true, (laughs) but I just laughed, (laughs) (laughs) but that's not what I lean into when I'm on social media, right? Like NJ has some of the funniest videos and, and then she has some amazing videos, but like that it, she is fun. You, you look at her profile and you're like, oh my gosh, we would have a blast together. If you look at my profile, you'd be like, oh, she's like my mom. I'm just kidding. Maybe. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, or she's like my cheerleader, right? I'm like everybody's little cheerleader, but so it's lean into what you're good at and, and strength and what your strengths are. And don't try to be something you're not. Cause for a long time I kept trying to be funny and it just kept falling flat. Um, Absolutely. and when it, and when it comes out naturally, It's genuine and it is funny and then it works and I'm not trying too hard. So
3: be yourself. Absolutely right. Yeah. Be yourself that you don't have to fit into one box or one peg, right? No, no, no way.
1: Okay. You said, I, I swear we're going to, this has been amazing. You have just provided us so much information. I am just so grateful that you've joined us and have shared so much, but you touched on something that I am like kicking myself. I didn't ask you earlier but it's something that has come up in many animation workshops and character workshops that I've been in. And that is adults auditioning as kids. And you commented on that. And and my dear friend and mentor and coach, Lori Allen, she said, anymore, a lot of those kid jobs are going to kids. So quit trying to pretend you can be a six-year-old when you're 40. Now, other people have a different voice for it. But like you said, if I roll in as a 44-year-old mom and try to sound like I'm six, I'm at a disadvantage. But so is it a, if you can genuinely pull it off and you know what six-year-olds sound like, go for it. Or do you say kind of again, stay in your lane and just do shades of you?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, I would disagree from my perspective. Yeah. So having worked on Disney junior projects, I can say that's for the little littles, right? Like preschool age and men even below. Those typically do tend to be children voicing those roles, which makes a lot of sense. It's little littles, um, you know, and they sort of connect a little bit better or whatnot. But when it comes to the projects on the other, you know, our, my old networks, no. As a matter of fact, more often than not, we are casting adults into those roles. And I think the reason for that, like children bring such an incredible thing to the shows, right? They have such natural, honest reactions to things. And I think that's where it really just brings a beauty to their performances. But I think we all know it's no secret that it is hard to find a little, little that just can step into a booth and be fully trained and do all these things and do ADR and do all the things that you guys have spent years training to do. So oftentimes what happens is that folks will start out thinking that they want young kids to voice the roles. We'll go there and then they'll quickly see that. Unfortunately, it's not necessarily delivering exactly what they're looking for in the series, and then we'll pivot to ad- adults, or it'll just go to adults. So, no, I, I would say about half, half and half, when I'm talking about Disney Junior stuff, yeah, littles, when I'm talking about any of the other networks, typically, typically, those are adults. Not always, but typically. Excellent.
1: Okay. That's really good. No, thank you. Thank you for touching on that. Um, and I'm sure too, it makes a difference if it's a series versus just one, you know, short thing where, where they need to be directed longer, you know, kind of like you said, just really being able to be professional. Um, okay. So are you going to be in Atlanta?
3: Yes, I am. can't Yay. wait.
1: Do you know what you're going to be speaking on yet?
3: Probably no. some junk. I wouldn't attend. I don't, I just, womp, those other womp, things. just
1: listen to this podcast. You don't even need to
3: go to Atlanta now. We've done it all for you. <laughs> no, go to Atlanta. Just, you know, no, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know just yet. I'm kind of building it out. I mean, I'm probably going to talk about casting and all this stuff. I'll probably say the same exact thing. So, yeah, don't, don't come to my thing. It'll be, it'll be the same. <laughs> You're so cute. All right.
1: AB, we did it. Over to you. We
3: did. We did. We've made it to an hour. And Kristen,
0: we are so grateful to you for joining us. Thank you so much. Before you go, we love to ask our guests three just-for-fun questions. So what show or
3: series are you binge-watching right now? That is so funny that you asked me that. Sadly, as a mom to littles, I don't get to watch a darn thing that I want to watch. I am so thankful. Bless you, Moonbug Entertainment, please. Don't be mad at me, but I am so thankful that my daughter is over Coco Melon. I, if I had to watch another episode of that, it is possible that bad things would happen uh, to me personally as a human. So I am not watching anything. <laughs> I, I get that a
0: hundred percent. Like someone asked me the other day, "Well, what are you watching?" I'm like, "Uh, uh Spider Man." Um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hilda. (laughs) All right. So now we can talk in the realms of things that you could do. What is the scenario for your dream vacation?
3: Oh, a dream vacation. You know, I'm a big traveler and I love to just get out and see the world. So I don't know if it's a specific place, but more so every time I go out and travel, I always want to visit a new place. So I think the dream would be to every time that I go out, visit a new place in the world. Because I think that traveling expands your mind. It helps you grow. And I like going out and seeing different cultures and, and just uh, seeing the world. I agree 100%. We,
0: um, we travel a lot, our family, but always by car. So it's stateside. But my kids have been to most of the 50 states. Um, and I, I, now I'm ready to travel more that my kids are growing up outside of the states. If you were stuck in an elevator, what song would you be able to tolerate on repeat the entire time?
3: literally not one song. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I could. I don't don't think there's one song that I'd be like, this is fine. Everything's fine. I think I'd be more focused on getting out the, you know, the F out of that elevator. um, Yeah, no songs, please. No songs. Uh, I'd be finding the core to the speakers. No, no. literally not one. I probably would uh, smash out the speakers first thing straight away.
2: (laughs) <laughs> I can tell you, I for a long time, I did not want to hear Sweet Home Alabama one more time because the radio station that I was working at, the the techs were in there doing something and they just needed something playing. So that's what they picked. And it played for hours in the production room.
3: Oh, no. I recently sang <laughs> that to my son and I don't know why, but every time I do, I make him cry. It's hysterical. Uh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't admit that, but it is very funny for me. I, I don't know what it is about that song. He's feeling your pain.
2: Well, Kristen, thank you for being here today. A huge thank you to everyone who joined us live today. If you're listening to our podcast, feel free to join us live on LinkedIn every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Meanwhile, be sure to connect with each of us on LinkedIn and join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group. If you missed a live episode, you can catch the recording later on our website, boothbesties.com or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. We would love it if you would hop on any platform and leave us a review because those reviews help us reach more listeners who are looking for great voiceover content. And don't forget to like and subscribe.
1: Once again, make sure you're signed up for our VO Booth Besties newsletter so you know what's coming up in the week ahead, which next Thursday is Thanksgiving in case any of you forgot and need to go buy a turkey and start thawing it, probably now. Um, So we will have no interview next week. Uh, But join us the following Thursday, November 30th, when Tim Tippett, the VO guru, joins us to talk about mic technique and more. Thanks for being here. And again, Kristen, thanks for joining us and have a fabulous day.
0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to
1: subscribe to our podcast. Well pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts
2: and follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going.
0: Video booth besties. Yeah,
2: it's a thing.